you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another D2D Spotlight. And uh, I got a good one today. Uh, this is a guy I hardly ever talk to. Uh, <laughs> except for last night, the night Yesterday. before, all weekend, um, talking to my good friend, fellow author Roland Denzel, not to be confused with Roland Denzel, the fictional character from my uh, thrillers. Uh, although he is a he's a thrilling guy all on his own. So look at that beard, everyone. Um, so thanks for uh, joining us today, man. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me, Kevin. It's great. So you and I uh, do talk a lot. Uh, we've, we've done quite a few things together. Uh, one of the things that comes up, and this is something you pitched this, and I thought this was a good idea because this is something important to uh, authors in particular, all authors, independent, traditional, or otherwise, um, that you don't hear talked about uh, that much. You, when you do hear it talked about, it's very high level. Uh, no one ever actually defines it. So I'm, I'm, I want to hear your definition and I didn't tell you that in advance. So you better have uh-huh. it in your back pocket here. Uh, so we're going to be talking about platform building for authors. So at, at, among other things, but, um, first let's, before we get to that, I want to talk about like you and what you're doing. So what you're an author, but you've also got some other stuff going on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you got going? Uh, well, I am, in addition to being an author, I'm a health coach. That's how I started, right? And uh, wrote my first uh, five or six books all about health and fitness, kind of started with my story and then got super passionate helping other people. And um, along the way, a lot of people in the health and wellness community didn't know what they needed to do to get their, their website set up and their mailing list established. So I've been helping them with that, helping then it started helping authors do it as well. So, um, you know, that's kind of leads us into this whole author platform thing, right? Right. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. Uh, and oops, sorry. I cut out there for a second. Uh, yeah. So you're, uh, and that's part of your journey was you started learning how to build a platform because of that stuff, the coaching and stuff, right? Yeah, I thought like, you know, I don't know, I can't say that I was way ahead of the ahead of the game when it came to the author platform, but I maybe, but I started in, um, you know, 25, it's been like 25, 26 years in, in the printing and publishing industry before yeah. I started to get into, uh, in, into really writing or, or coaching people. And so I learned a lot about, you know, the internet mailing lists. Um, I worked for a Fortune 500 company that had a mailing that sent out emails, but they didn't have a mailing list. Like you couldn't sign up for something to get blog posts and updates and things like that. So I helped them establish that. I was, uh, you know, I started blogging for them and I could see what it was doing for us and what it wasn't doing for us. Yeah. So I learned a lot along the way. So then when it came time to write my book, I'm like, hey, I want to do a lot of those things that I, that I learned. I want to you know, make sure that when somebody hears about me, they get on my email list so I can reach out to them again, because the odds of them finding me again are are pretty slim, right? Yeah. You already pulled off one miracle. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. And what really, for those of you who are hesitant about creating an email list or think, oh, you know, I have a lot of Facebook followers or Twitter followers, that's, or Amazon sends out a blast every time I have a new book. 
those things are all great. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have those things, but my wife and I, who's my one of my co-authors, we had access to 25,000 people yeah. on a forum, right? And then one month before our book launched, the forum tanked and, <laughs> and went under. Which and my, yeah, yeah, that we happened. lost access to all those all those people, right? So yeah, so that was gone. So um, you know, the book did okay and it recovered. I had a lot of you know friends, but but at that point, I had a had I had. I had the the essence of an email list, but no, I, I had not made any real efforts. So that day, that day on, my wife and I were like, we have, everything we got to do is to get people on our list because you own your list. Yeah. You don't own that forums list. You don't own Facebook's list, and they could just in Amazon. You know, they if they decide tomorrow to stop sending email blasts out about new releases. What Amazon changing the way they do things with no notice? I know, I know. That's crazy. Um, you brought up some very good points there. Uh, before I I, I'm going to dive into this uh, uh, more, but I do want to because I forgot to say this at the beginning, everyone. But if you have questions, please, please feel free to ask them as many as you want on uh, Facebook or YouTube, no matter where you're watching. Uh, ask in the comments because at the last 15 minutes of the broadcast, we're going to answer those live. So ask anything you want. Um, yeah. So what is, how would you, I think we sort of skirted around this a little, but how would you personally define what a platform is? And a platform is not one thing. It's like a, or what's the name? It's a, a conglomerate. It's a collection of all of the things that you yeah. have at your disposal to um, touch, inspire, and um, communicate with your with your readers and your potential readers, your future readers. So that involves, that includes, you know, your website, of course, your, all of your social media platforms. And um, the biggest one that you'd already talked about was your email list. Yeah. And it'll probably include other things down the road, like, you know, with like Facebook Messenger, you know, communication. Right. Um, but as and, you pointed out, those, you don't own those things. No, no. Mm -mm. Yeah. So they're kind of supplemental to your platform, I think. Yeah, they are. So I mean, all of those things play in. All of those things are important. Yeah. But so you can't really ignore them. But you have to make sure that you own as much of your customer, your reader data as possible. Yeah. So should you yeah. be working actively? Whenever I think about platform, I almost I am almost unilaterally thinking about my mailing list, uh, which maybe is not quite accurate but uh on the social platforms and everywhere else i mean should you be actively working to get them corralled into something that you own and control yeah that's kind so of a leading guess, question right it's like i, I know, know yeah. i know yes. the answer to this question <laughs> yes kevin that's a brilliant question <laughs> um so yeah so like like i'm active on facebook because i enjoy it i'm active on instagram because i enjoy it but it's it's um like the goal is to get a re reach a deeper level of communication, right? right? So once they come to, it's like an act of trust on their part to give you your their email list, yeah. right? Their their email their their email address. So like once they you know you entice them somehow, like for fiction or nonfiction authors, you can give them a you know a free book or a free short story. Um, 
super easy for nonfiction authors because you can give them like 10 tips to do this or 10 tips to help you with the, your problem. So it's much easier to do. Um, with fiction, it's a little bit tougher just because you have to, like if you have two books, like you, you want to give away your first book, right? That's yeah. a hard decision to make. If you have 10 books, it's not so hard to give away the first book. And um, increasingly more, and there are so many free books out there, it's really hard to entice a reader with like free chapters. Right. right. So it has to be something almost unique, like a short story or a prequel, or like if you're a like you're a thriller author. So you might have a, if, you, if he was a spy, you have a dossier or some sort of background or something, yeah. something. Right. So then there's, you know, so you want to give them something that's going to get them on that list. And you tease those things on social media like you, you keep your your social media. Your social media, I think, has like two purposes. Entertain the people you already have right. and ent and entice the potential readers onto your list. Right. Great if they buy a book straight from Facebook or if they buy a book straight from Twitter or Instagram, but that hardly ever happens. Yeah. Not, you, people aren't there to buy stuff. They're there to have fun. Right. And, and that's, that's kind of the realization I had, especially when it comes, and I'm not going to ever say that Facebook ads are not effective for selling books, but that's in different my, though than just, you know, hanging out on Facebook and right. sharing stuff about your books. Yeah. And in my experience, um, I, it just feels like my for my dollar, my return on investment, if I use that that ad dollar to get them onto a platform I control, I can earn more from that one reader than I will earn in return for convincing them to buy the book through a Facebook ad. That's that's how I've always looked at it. I don't know about mm -hmm. your experience there. Yeah, so I'm mean, not primarily nonfiction. I'll be I'll be. Um, going to people <clears throat> like you and, and Nick for Nick Thacker for like advice when it comes to like a lot of this, the, the fiction stuff when my fiction is out, yeah. but for, for nonfiction, I, you can, you can, it's easy to do an ad to give them again, something, getting something free. Yeah. And I think for um, the, the fiction authors, I mean, I've been, I've seen ads I might read science fiction and urban fantasy and I get their ads and yeah. I'm like, Oh, I do want that you know, that, that free book. Yeah. So on Facebook, so I'll click it and, and join. Now I'm on their list and now I'm a, now I'm a happy reader. Yeah. yeah. The, but you uh, brought up an interesting point. Like if you're a prolific author, like you're a prolific author. So if it takes you, your time has value. I mean, and yeah. it's a very complicated formula, but I'm sure you could figure it out like how much time I know. It involves but, like square root symbols. And I things. know, you know, pi and not the good kind of pi. So, but like you spend so much time, if you have to spend hours on social media to get somebody to buy your book or to join your list, right? Yeah. How much was that time worth versus creating an ad instead that does the same thing. So if you spend yeah. $50 on an ad that gets 10 people, uh, that's a lot of people for $50, but um, you know, you get X number of people for, right. for $100 or $50. Hopefully you're getting at least 10 people for $50. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like it depends on your, on your genre, like, yeah. right? Yeah. For yeah. science fiction, it's really hard. It's really competitive for urban mm -hmm. fantasy, it's super competitive for um, nutrition, diet, nutrition books, super competitive, right? So, mm -hmm. but, the math still works because you spent how much could you have written? Yeah. So you're like trading $50 for free time to write. Yeah. Right. Because the, you, all that time sharing things just to get somebody on your list. Right. Probably not going to, we're going to be worth it. 
right? There's nothing to say you shan't, you sh shan't, you should not <laughs> be shan't. on, shan't, be on social media to, to keep your customers happy, to be active. So when people come find you on your Facebook page, that they know that you're active there, yeah. um, see that you're at least somewhat active, that it's not a dead zone, but, but spending a lot of time there, but you better spend a little bit of money there than a lot of time there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's that uh, that whole money, money and time have sort of a interesting relationship, and it's not equal. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not the same, and it's also not the same for somebody who only has one. They're starting off with one book, right? So right. if you have one book or two books, or you're a slow author, um, slow writer, and you have a lot of extra time, yeah, then maybe maybe it's worth doing more, being more active on social media. But um, like, if you simply can't write more. Mm -hmm. So um, when it comes to the folks who only have maybe one book or even no books, uh, mm -hmm. they, they haven't yet published, maybe they haven't even written yet. Um, we, all, we tend to give the advice that the best time to start building your platform is right now, no matter where you are in that journey. I, I don't know if you agree with that. Maybe you don't agree with that. Well, um, I, I do in one sense that looks, so if you have nothing, like if yeah. you have, or if you have, if you haven't published your book yet, mm -hmm you should build your platform now and have your list now, not because it's going to collect stuff yeah. now, but once your book is out, that's not the time to build your list. That's not the time to, to have everything in place. You yeah. need to have, you need to be ready now, confident that it works. Yeah. So you can send your family or a couple of friends or some, some writers will find you. You're going to be sharing on Facebook that you're writing a thriller or writing an urban yeah. fantasy. And it's like, oh, it's the greatest thing since, uh, since true blood. Right. And a couple of people are going to join and they're going to be, you know, re really like your true fans interested. So it's a good time to have that and know that it works. So it takes the pressure off. So when your book launches and people read your book and come, they get into your system because that's yeah. not the time to, to risk losing somebody who already read your book. Yeah. So what are some yeah. approaches, uh, especially if you don't already have a book uh, released, what are some approaches to start building your platform? Well, the first thing to do is not overthink what your platform, what your platform needs to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. your web, let's take your website. People yeah. want to, you know, you know, you and I talked about some authors recently. We saw that spent thousands of dollars on a yeah. website that, um, whether it looks beautiful or not, it doesn't do anything to sell books. Yeah. Right. So like your website is your home base. People want to Google you and they want to find you. They want to type in your URL when they hear your name and they go there and your website has basically one goal, either two or two, one of one of two goals, get them, get them on your list yep. or get them to buy your book. Mm -hmm. Right. It's kind of, there's a, you know, I don't know which one is, it's going to be different for everybody. Like, which is the one that, you know, which, which gets weighted more. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. Right. So, but if you go to a website that has a blog and it has a, all these sidebars with all these widgets and like, come follow me here, come follow me there. Well, those are all distractions. They're going to go, well, I don't need to buy the book now. I'm going to check this dude out. Right. Yeah. And then I'm going to go over here and now they're lost. And, oh, yeah. He's fun. You know, I'm going to follow him on Instagram. Yeah. A year, a year I, later, I still haven't bought your book. I feel like you're criticizing my website uh, right now. That's what I feel like. I'm going to feel a little attacked, Roland. Do you, have a, do you have a lot of widgets and stuff? No, I don't have a lot of widgets. But I do have, like, everything I, I am into is in that menu bar right now. 
<laughs> well, so, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with the, I mean, the menu bar, if you're gonna put that stuff there yeah. on your website, the menu bar is where it should be because that's gonna be, somebody has to make a decision to explore, right? right? So, but when they go to your website, the first thing they should see, like before they have to do any sort of scrolling is, it should tell them what you're about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I am a urban fantasy author, or mm -hmm. I am a science fiction author, yeah. and the you're a thriller author. So like they see, and like, and it's great if you have books. That's a great place right at the top to put right like a, top, you know, right. an image of all of your books. So they're oh my gosh, he has a lot of books too, right? So then, like, then it's like, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to buy your books? Then make that image clickable so it clicks to your books. Mm -hmm. If you want them to join your list, say get my free book, like right in the image, it's like right in, you know, yep. get my free book, click on that image. They scroll down, then they can see other things. Then they can see what's your second choice. So if it's join my list, first thing, scroll. If there's not, nah, they're not gonna join your list. You know, I don't join lists. Scroll down, oh, let's see all my books. I'm gonna go click on, here's the first book of my series. This is where right. I want you to start. So think of it, what do you want them to do? And, what do you, and where should they get started? Right. Right. And make it clear. Start here. Start this, by the way, here. Yeah. This is uh, exactly why, despite people hating them, uh, pop-ups are actually very effective mm -hmm. because they are, if your goal is to get people on your mailing list, a pop-up is the very first thing they see. But what you have to do is uh, most people are going to click out of that pop-up. Like, I, I don't know, to make up a percentage, 85%. <laughs> are going to click out of that thing. Yeah. But if you want to continue to have the offer to join your mailing list in, in every part of your website. So because yeah. they can't get that pop-up back. Like they can't I've been to websites back. where I'm like, like the pop-up appears right away. Right. And I'm like, oh, you know, like after I read, I'm like, you know what? I wish that pop-up would come back because how do I sign up for this thing? Like, I don't no, have I any other sign-up things, right? I'm part right? of the 15% uh, uh, who didn't sign up. And so now uh, you have to give them an alternative to get on your mailing list. Yeah, so there's a couple things you can do is that you can have like something that's a little bit like subtle. Like if you have WordPress, and I'm not sure if Squarespace does this, but WordPress, a lot of little plugins, which make like a banner that are right across the top, yeah. right? And you can say whatever you want, sign up to my, get your free book here, click this button, right? And it goes on every every page. That's an easy way to do it. Um, Squarespace, I think has something Squarespace like, it's like, it's like a notification bar. Yeah. Uh, there's also plugins that make it at the bottom of every blog post, all, you know, all these different kinds of things that can do it. But just have it all over the place. If you have a sidebar with widgets, right, one widget right at the top, you know, wherever it should be, you know, and then put another one at the bottom. Either, yeah, it either needs to be um, join my list if that's your primary focus or it needs to be buy this book or these books. Whatever you're, yeah. as, as you put it, like whatever the main thing that you want this site to do, that that top yeah. level thing needs to be about that. Yeah, although never say join my list, I would say. Like yeah. the things you could say, like the worst things to say mm -hmm. is join my newsletter. And the second thing is probably join my list because no one wants to be on a list. Well, what do no you want to be? I know, I know, I know. This, yeah. is, this <laughs> is something that's been around for as long as I've been doing any internet marketing. It's always a debate about what you should put there. Uh, it used to be, you could say, join my tribe. And now that's played out. Um, so what well, do you think? Well, if you have a, whatever, get my free thing, like yeah. whatever my free thing is, right? They know it's, you're going to be on a list. People do yell thing. though. Just, huh? just so we're clear, people do yell at you sometimes 
to tell you that's not really free if I got to sign up on you. I had a guy email me yelling at me for offering him a whole page of free novels because he had to sign up on mailing lists. So he got very upset with me. So it does happen. That type of person is probably never going to buy your book. Never going to buy the book. That was my answer. So if if they've, so if they subscribed anyway, like if somebody never buys my book and they're complaining about the stuff that I'm saying, just, I just gracefully unsubscribe them, you know? Yeah. Or or just ignore, or just ignore. (laughs) Yeah. ignore. I'm I'm concerned. Yeah. Go to go, go put on Nick's list or something. Um, Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so I would say give, get my free thing. You know, if you don't have anything free yet, yeah. It could be get updates on my book, something like that. So like, it's what is just like anything, but just like copywriting, right? What problem are you going to solve? Their yeah. problem is they want to, they want a book. They want something to read. Yeah. The problem is they want to know when you're going to release the book. Right. Mm-hmm. So tell them that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing that, uh, and we have about 10 minutes before we start, uh, uh, asking folks uh, some que- or having folks ask us questions. And by the way, if you're watching, if you haven't already, pop a question into the comments because we're going to answer those last 15 minutes. So, um, one of the things that you also pitched beyond platform building this this is shifting gears entirely. Uh, but you were go- you were go- willing to talk about ergonomics. Sure. Uh, I would, I am, uh, particularly interested in that sort of thing as every, literally every joint on my body now pops and, uh, I'm constantly having aches and pains. So, uh, talk a little bit about that. So I know at your previous studio, right? You had a standing desk. Do you have a standing? I don't know if you have a access to a standing I, desk where you are right now. I do. Yeah. I have a way to do some standing desk stuff. I have one. Actually, I think you may have something similar. I have this thing I bought off Amazon recently. That's that can go up to different sizes, the different heights. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. I did yeah, that that, yeah. Those were, uh, those are great. Um, so obviously like the biggest, we've all heard the sitting, you know, is the new smoking sitting kills, all that kind of stuff. Right. But it's not really true. It's only true because of all we all we ever do is sit. So if the sedentary, being sedentary and being in the same position all the time is what's really yeah. bad for you. So yeah. sedentary is the new smoking or you know what it could could maybe right. be what it is. Because when you sit now, now granted sitting for a long period of time is probably worse for you than standing because when you stand right. for a long period of time, like I'm standing right now, right? You move around and like you're constantly shifting your weight and you're sitting, you sit super still. Right. Yeah. But if you stand too long, it can be just as bad as sitting. There's a little known fact that pre industrial revolution came about and everyone was standing. Like there were no sitting desks. Right. Cause because de- chairs were expensive. Right? right. And it kept people from moving around. So like if you're in like a factory floor, you're making stuff, everyone's standing at like tall counters. Hopefully they were tall. But, you know, like when once things started to like really crank and people were able to work standing in one position for a long period of time, like unions and guilds and things like that started uh, demanding sitting time. So yeah. that's when like the desks and the sitting, you know, came and, you know, hundred and some years later, we're, uh, we're suffering from that. Yeah, we're all hunched over. Yeah, yeah, neck forward, right? Yeah, right. computers make computers make it even worse because, like, I don't know if you can see, like, going like that, you know, like, yeah, you know, 
Yeah. So, so ergonomics is a big thing. Like, so it's a, uh, you know, it, um, it, it's everything from probably in the olden days, I'm, I'm 53. So when I was, you know, starting off in computers, like yeah. 30 years ago, um, we didn't use them all day long. We did a lot of stuff by hand and we had shared computers that we used. So like we had to go back and forth. But at a certain point, people started getting the you know, carpal tunnel syndrome because the people would be data processing with the same, you know, and also the people would get dialed in, let's get a better chair, a better keyboard, a better mouse, you know? Mm -hmm. And those are better than nothing. But if you get the perfect keyboard, the perfect, and you get the perfect desk set up, you can actually make things worse long-term because now you're super comfortable in that position. So now you can stay yeah. in that position even longer. Yeah. Right? So like yeah. ask yourself, what's better? Being in a, a bunch of different positions that you're constantly having to change, right? Yeah. To, to be comfortable, to change your comfort level or dialing yourself in to the perfect quote unquote ergonomic position and then staying there for all the, all day yeah yeah that's interesting yeah, so, i never even thought of it that way yeah so that's why instead of like getting a i, I recommend instead of getting a standing desk i tell people to get a sit stand desk right yeah. or to have um and and the best kinds are the ones where like yours where it can go up and down so it's not even exactly the same position because right. yours goes up and down you can sit in a regular chair you could get a stool yeah. right right I have a leaning stool, which is like sort of a sort of a halfway. You can has like a it's like a wobble wobble stool, yeah. so I can sit on that. I can lean back into it. I can stand. I can stand differently, and um, just at different heights. Because like I don't know if you like like if you're typing and you're like, imagine that these this is parallel to the ground. Like if you're typing, and like there's just just sort of different positions you can get. But if you're locked into this ninety degrees all the time, which is you know they say is the ideal typing position. Yeah. Over time, that's going to be a problem too. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like uh, we were just telling a story around the campfire here uh, at home a few nights ago. Um, my in-laws used to be expats and they were living in um, like Montang, places like that. And there was a, a woman who was uh, the wife of one of the people who worked for the company who never wore anything but high heels. And so... Mm -hmm. When she uh, came to that region, she couldn't really wear high heels because of the way, you know, the ground is uneven and all that. So they had to get special tennis shoes so that she could that that had an elevated heel. And then they gradually stepped them down until she could walk on flats because she literally could not walk on flat shoes. Your body yeah. will it adapts, adapt, right? Yeah. Your, so, your calves get shortened. Exactly. And that can happen. I mean, it happens mostly to women because women, like especially like in the, the business world, mm -hmm. are conditioned or like to wear higher heels. Yeah. Right. And then every day, all day. And then like even like when they get home at night, they're like, oh, it hurts. My feet hurt so much when I wear, you know, like wear flats. So they don't do it. Right. So the more you can do to bring that down, I think we're seeing less and less of it. There's a more of a there's. But yeah. Um, yeah. But men can get that too. Like if you look at some of the, even like men's dress shoes can have like a pretty substantial heel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, athletic shoes. For some reason, these athletic shoes, like remember the Nike shocks with those things on the back? Yeah. 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 I, like, I have like minimal, wear minimal shoes, which have like very little to no. I know. I wear no like heel. 
Chuck Taylors and Vans yeah. and stuff, which tend to be pretty flat. Not great for uh, jagged, rocky surfaces, I've discovered. Oh. Uh, just, just so people are aware, it's not the perfect shoe. They're also uh, very narrow. They're also very narrow, and uh, yeah, so, narrow. so not only do I do I have wide feet, but mm -hmm. I have wide feet that I'm trying to make wider. Like I don't want to keep my feet in there. I want my my toes to be able to move. So, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of barefoot or I have minimal shoes that actually have wide toe boxes. So, do you recommend uh, going barefoot a lot? Yeah, as much as possible, and. Like um, I need yeah, my, my wife to listen to this. Yeah. She gets on to me because I'm barefoot all the time. I was raised in you know a small Texas town. You know, if you were wearing shoes, it meant you were in school or in church. So otherwise, you were um, barefoot all the time. So. Well, I grew up in shoes, but I I spent a year. My we we lived in Borneo for a year, and I lost my shoes on the plane over there, and. I already had wide feet, so my parents could not find any shoes in the island of Borneo that were wide enough for me. Yeah. So I went barefoot for a year. And um, interesting, yeah, yes, and it's, so it was quite a big, quite a difference. And um, yeah, so now I wear. I recommend my wife and I are both health coaches. Yeah. We're both uh, restorative exercise specialists, so we we talk a lot about minimal shoes and helping people go from shoes to you know high shoes more constructed shoes supported shoes to shoes with less support because yeah. ideally like our feet don't need support right they need support now because we've worn shoes that have supported them su supported right. them artificially which makes our feet weak right. and so now when we take off our shoes we're like oh my feet need support well they they don't they just need to be strengthened so they don't need support anymore so what about those uh the little foot shaped uh, shoes with the toes and everything. Are you, should you be wearing something like that? I have, I have a pair of those. My wife has I, a I three, have several a pair. pairs. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't like them. I mean, I, I like them. Okay. But yeah. um, I have two pairs. They take a lot of getting used to, and they're hard to get on and off because mm -hmm. like you really got to get your toes in those little toe yeah. finger, whatever you call them. They're like toe gloves. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So at first, those were like the first real minimal shoes that they yeah. were produced. Vibram five fingers, right? And but now there's more. Those are still good. And they're still available. And if you really like that, if you're really athletic in them, those are great because like they really they they fit around like a glove, right? So there's no slipping and sliding. So it's really good for like athletic purposes. But I have shoes that look more like regular shoes. Like I have New Balance Minimus, which has a wider toe box, but they look like a regular, regular shoe and they don't have individual toe, toe things. Yeah. And I saw, I, um, I think I saw this on Facebook actually in an ad for something very similar to those, but they, they were more like socks made of like, I don't know, Kevlar or something, you know, they were really uh -huh. durable. Um, and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll consider that. They showed them wearing them in the water and swimming oh, yeah. and that sort of thing. Kevlar sock sounds pretty cool. That does sound. It sounds like the name of a of a band, actually. Kevlar uh. socks. Um. So we are uh right now we're at our uh thirty the thirty minute mark. So we're gonna open things up to ask us anything. Uh, make mm. sure uh, you pop your questions into the comments, and we will answer them live. I'm gonna go through and look at some of the. We've had a couple of comments uh, so far. Uh, we got a hello from. Uh, from, I think that's on Facebook, yeah. 
we got Guy saying hi there. Uh, pleasure to be with you from Montreal, Canada. So that's fun. Wow. Then we went from Montreal all the way south uh, with Jimmy here in Dallas, Texas. That's, that's nice. my home state. Uh, Alyssa, that's one not. of our, yeah, <laughs> Alyssa's one of our DDD folks clearly spotting your, uh, your nice. artwork behind you. Taco is her favorite emotion. Uh, we had a whole taco discussion with my Kevin show audience last night. I think now I know why they spotted your, your type, yes. your uh, taco, uh, Lexi also a D to D, uh, what, what should we call them? A duty alum uh, is offering us a good afternoon. And of course, Tori is saying hello. Uh, so no questions yet. We'll, uh, we'll keep chatting on. Um, but yeah, be sure to pop a question in there and we're happy to answer it for you. Uh, and you can ask now about either platform building for authors or and or ergonomics. How about the ergonomics of platform building? Should we do mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah that's a good one yeah well combined people are, combined people are talk about you know, really got a niche niche down and stuff right so like that's like you know if you can you know the venn diagram of people who need yeah. to build their platform well, and also need to do yeah we can get into the we can get into the uh nitty-gritty details of, of that sort of thing um you know and, and like i said i tend to rely i i really put all my money on on my mailing list, mm -hmm. you know, to the point where, you know, I got guys in my life who are really into the ads and, and monitoring it, you know, guys like, you know, Ernest Dempsey, for example, is a, a pro at all the different ad platforms. So is Nick Thacker, you know, these guys. And, um, here I am just sort of, you know, relying, I almost rely exclusively on my mailing list at this point. Um, should I be expanding my platform? <laughs> Um, not at the expense of writing books, probably like yeah. it's working for me. So, yeah. So, I mean, the question always is like with anything with my health clients, with author clients, with anybody, when people say it's working, right. So yep. is it working as well as we, as, as we hope, as we want it to work, right. Trying, Could it be better? Bad? No, no, no. But you know, I'm not trying, <laughs> but if it were, but it's just a bonus, right? No, but it's so, true. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, so we all we probably all know somebody who has been in great health all their life, and then one day they're like the doctor says they have diabetes, yeah. right? So were they actually in great health all their life, or were there there were maybe there were some signs? It's like a you know a tipping point, or their funnel yeah. overflows, whatever like analogy you want. And but with so people like there are people who are doing fine without a mailing list, yeah, right. And they're like, well, I don't need a mailing list because I'm doing fine. Well, they, what if they were doing twice as good if they also had a mailing list, right? right. What if they're only doing well? Like, what if a, what if their big social media is not actually getting them the readers? Maybe it's something else, right? Yeah. And what if that other thing goes away and they don't know how right. to do it? They don't know how to. They don't have a way to capture those people. Right. Um, we've seen so, big changes. We people lose their Facebook page. Yeah. For somebody reports them and they remove their Facebook page. Yeah. Well, now now that outreach is gone. Diversification right? yeah. helps you to protect yourself from from that sort of thing. Yeah. And one of the people, uh, one of the things that I hear a lot is, well, I mean, I'm on Mailchimp. Mailchimp could, I mean, I could get marked to spam too many times and they could yank me. Well, that is true, but you will have 
smartly backed up your entire list. Yeah. To you your need computer to and to the cloud and everything, right? right. And then um, you can import that list to MailerLite or author.email or whatever. And now mm -hmm. you you can start over because that list is yours. The list doesn't belong to MailChimp. The list doesn't right. belong to any of these people. The list is right. yours. Okay, we got some questions. I'm going to pop a couple up here. Uh, so first up, uh, Lexi's asking, are there particular what any particular website? I'm sorry. I'm having trouble reading this. Let me read it over here. Are there particular website hosting services you find to be author friendly, particularly particularly with new newer authors? It took me a while yeah. to get through that. I'm, I don't know why. Yes. And so I'm partial to WordPress. Yeah. Kevin's partial to Squarespace and we both yeah. do stuff with both. So those are both, mm -hmm. those are like hosting platforms. But when the more important thing is getting something up there. So right. we're, I was talking to some people the other day about the benefits of, from, for many authors, especially if you're writing fiction of yeah. just having a landing page, right? Yeah. You, because you can have like a one page website that yeah. has, you know, and D to D. Yeah. can do that for you. The author, uh, what's it called? Uh, author, pages? author pages. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So with author pages, you can list all your books. You can have a link either to be notified by like it's drafted digitals list, but yeah. <clears throat> ideally you would change that link to your own mailing list sign up. So if somebody comes to your one page website, they see immediately because you have a big thing like here's your page, like here's right. your picture, here's your books. Or if you don't have books yet, it can be, um, just like uh, your sign up list and there's an image. So you have a one page website. That's all you need at the, at the, the base. The minimum, yeah. The minimum, right? Um, if you have a mailing list service already, like MailerLite, they have landing pages. So right. you can create a, a landing page, MailerLite, they call them sites. And you can add buttons for your social media and all those kinds of things on that page. So they just, you, you must buy your URL, but once you have that URL, whether you buy it from GoDaddy or Namecheap, you go into your dashboard and you point it straight to that landing page. Yep. So yep. that's the minimum. That's the minimum. When you get more elaborate, and especially for nonfiction authors, I would definitely recommend doing something like um, Squarespace or WordPress with a, a fairly simple yeah. website. Because with nonfiction, it does help to have some content, whether people find it or not, whether you do SEO or not, doesn't matter. A lot of people want to trust the nonfiction author that they're talking, yeah. that they're, that they're, that they actually do, they know what they're talking about. So in our nutrition, we have like hundreds of blog posts. So people mm -hmm. come there and yeah, we hope that a lot of people find open SEO. But when we first started out, we had to establish our credibility. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it, we keep talking about, you know, Squarespace and, and WordPress in particular, because that's what we use. But um, both have their advantages, disadvantages. I mean, WordPress has a lot more options uh, in, in terms of like third party plugins, things like that. I've always liked Squarespace just because it's you pay one fee and they, you know, provide you with this whole list of, of tools and resources. And it's more or less plug and play. I kind of get into the code a little and do some things here and there, but for the most part, it's a WYSIWYG. You know, what you see is what you get kind of format. Alyssa is asking, do you find yourself more productive in writing while standing versus sitting? Different things are better in different positions for me. 
Yeah. So it's sometimes it's very hard to be creative. Yeah. Like writing fiction, standing up. But it's really easy to write emails. I can make changes to my website. I can write my mailing list emails uh-huh. standing up. I can do a lot of Zoom meetings. You know, I'm doing a meeting here, right? So yeah. like a lot of those kind of things are standing up. But when I really want to write fiction or um, I'm trying to get in the mind of my readers and like things, it's, uh, for some reason, I got to sit down. It's like I have a button on my butt that only turns on that part of my brain when I'm sitting. And But over time, it sort of changes. Yeah. Yeah. So what I recommend to our, my clients is to, you know, sort of keep a mental note of what you what you can do. So if you're writing for a long period of time, sitting down, yeah, set some sort of a timer, and you can get up and you can read your emails on your phone, or you yeah. can take your laptop over to a countertop and you can do some, you know, take, that's where you do your Zoom meetings because then you can pace and you have a wireless headset. I, and, I also like that aspect, by the way, of changing, like changing gears for the different mm-hmm. types of tasks you're doing. Um, and I've done that. That actually does help. And I actually go so far as like, I have different writing software, for example, that I use for one for writing copy, you know, any blog post and that sort of thing. And one for writing fiction. Uh, but in the day, back when I first started uh, copywriting and, and was still trying to write some fiction, writing and short, selling short fiction, I actually had a baseball cap that I'd put on when I was writing fiction. And it was my writer's cap. Uh, and once it was on, I knew that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I could feel the band, you know. So uh, that's nothing to do with ergonomics. But When you're blogging, did you have a little hat where it said press? In the band? Blogging, blogging didn't exist as a term in, until much, much later after my writing career started. So I was blogging before there was a term for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I never – I kind of dropped that as a – habit because you know you start traveling you don't always have your cap with you or whatever yeah you still want to write um this is a hold on this may push us right off the screen let's see boom i definitely got to read this in the other window though uh so when considering platform building i want my newsletter to be number one but i also want a place for readers to create a community what would be the best place a forum hosted on my site because i'd have control or something readers are familiar with like facebook groups except that they can change the algos at any time. Yeah, that's the sort of thing we're talking about too. Yeah, that's hard because like we all remember the day when you had, you know, you were in a Facebook group of 100 people and like you saw everything and now you don't. So the challenge is to find, Facebook is easy. People will sign up for your Facebook group because most people are on Facebook. Then they might not see see the things, right? But we have in the nonfiction side, a lot of my clients will sign up for Slack and they'll create a special Slack community. On the fiction yeah. side, people, the readers are like, well, what is Slack? I don't, I don't want to do this thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In the science fiction, if you're a science fiction writer, you might be able to get away with Discord because a lot of science fiction and gamers, and if you're lit RPG, they probably live in Discord anyway. So like creating yeah. a Discord channel for them would be great. Um, if you believe your readership would like a like a forum you have the where it's private then definitely you could try it out there's a lot of wordpress plugins that give you like free you know sort of that are free or very inexpensive where you can do it where you can do a forum and you can try that out there's also um mighty networks 
yeah. which is a different, you know, it's sort of sort of a combination forum. It's like it's, I think of it more like a Facebook group where you can have different categories and, and things like that. Sort of a prettier version of Slack. Yeah. And the benefit, Fatima, is that you're getting them off of face all of these things, you're getting them off of Facebook and they're getting them into your own your own system where they're focused more on you and on themselves. So you're built better able to build a community. It's getting tougher and tougher to build a really good community in in Facebook. Yeah. Right. I might still have it, but I try to get other people always on your list. So if they start stopping to see that, then you can you can offer them, hey, do you want to get notifications just about the community? Right. And you can yeah. You can maybe send a weekly or a, a monthly thing, which are new things that happened in this community, just to remind them outside of Facebook on how they yeah. can be more engaged. The whole community, the community idea I, I like, I have always tr had trouble with, you know, it's just one more thing I got to manage. Uh, and so that's me yeah. being lazy, but uh, I, go ahead, go ahead. You were gonna I, I think, well, I mean, I would love to have, like, I'm trying to imagine, like, let's say if I had a, a, like a big series, would, a, would my readers like to have a group or they're, they have a community. Right. And, and I don't know, but what would be like possibly what might be better is to team up with a couple of other authors in your genre and create a little community for the like, sort of like a collective community. Right. That's an option. Um, right. The risk there is like, if you know, you have to make your friends and like, what if you're not friends in a couple of years? I mean, there's, so there are some, some risks to both of those things, but just like most of us can't write fast enough to keep our readers fully entertained on which is just our books. So if you team up with some other like-minded authors, yeah. then you know, you're going to, you're going to keep this going. Yeah. Well, we're at time, so we're going to have to wrap this up. We're actually slightly past time. So thanks to what? everyone who, I know, despite my best efforts, uh, we still didn't end before 1245. Uh, but if you are uh, watching here, uh, make sure you go check out Roland online at the indestructibleauthor.com, uh, alternatively, rolanddenzel.com. Uh, and, you know, make sure you get on his mailing list, join his platform. Uh, and speaking of platforms, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, if you go to youtube.com slash draft to digital, uh, you can subscribe to our channel and we really appreciate that. Um, you can also follow us here on Facebook at facebook.com slash draft to digital and make sure you are bookmarking d2dlive.com because that's where you're going to see a fancy countdown, have access to, uh, that'll show you when the next ddd spotlights happening uh but you can also pick up on all the uh past episodes of this thing we've been doing one a day for weeks now so there's a huge library of these things more more a greater wealth of knowledge you'll never find on the topic of self-publishing so thanks uh rolling so much for being a part of this uh this program i mean i've been you know you and I talk all the time but it's always every time we talk it's a brand new adventure man i love it it's great thanks for having <laughs> all me right, everybody Thank you for tuning in. Uh, feel free to keep posting things in the comments and chatting amongst yourselves. That's our community. And we'll see you all uh, tomorrow for another D2D Spotlight at noon central. So make sure you uh, check it out and tune in. See you there. Bye, everybody. That's it for this week's Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital 
Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.